0: Welcome back. This is Matthew J. Mary, and this is A View from Mulberry Street. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a couple of issues. Uh, Some some may be serious and others may be lighthearted, but you know, there's an old saying, and I never could figure out exactly what this old saying means. But the saying is this, is a rose by any other name, still arose. And there's another old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's not true if you happen to be unfortunate enough to be a criminal defendant in a RICO case in the federal court system. But anyhow, All this stuff about names, wow, there's been a lot of names for what they used to call the Mafia. In 1963, Robert F. Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, hatched this grand, spectacular, spellbinding uh, extravaganza in the United States Senate, and he marched in a guy named Joseph Valachie, and Joseph Vellacci was, seemed to be quite a simple man. I'm not going to go into his whole story because, you know, this is not a history lesson. It's just commentary on some stuff. And, uh, but Joe Vellacci is a guy who is proclaimed, uh, to this day, erroneously, to be the first federal informant to talk about organized crime in America. The first person to say, I'm a member of this organization, this secret organization. I'm a member of it. Well, Joe Vellacci got before the Senate and the senators were grilling him. And as usual, most of the senators didn't have the slightest idea of what they were talking about, but they all wanted to get in front of that camera. And as I look back at the Veloce hearings of 1963, I was astounded uh, about the fact that, as Jimmy Durante used to say, everybody wants to get into the act. And so many famous U.S. senators of that time, some of whom ran for higher public office later, uh, wanted to get into that act. And it was quite a circus. The nation's underworld gets the unwelcome spotlight of publicity as the Senate's investigation subcommittee begins new hearings on crime. Arkansas Senator McClelland is at the helm. Attorney General Robert Kennedy paints a grim picture of the rise of lawlessness under the Cosa Nostra or Mafia. This he describes as the government of organized gambling, narcotics peddling, extortion, racketeering, and controlling of certain trade unions. He says the income runs into billions. These hearings always attract a large number of spectators. This one is particularly crowded, awaiting the first public appearance of Joseph Velaki, the convicted hoodlum whose confessions to the FBI have reportedly put a price of $100,000 on his head by the infuriated mafia. When they finally got to to a certain point in the hearings, and these hearings lasted for days, if I'm correct, uh, finally one senator says to Velacci, Joe Velacci, "What is the name of your organization?" And he looks at the senator quite honestly, clearly, honestly, almost scratching his head, and says, "We have no name. There is no name." And the senator. Uh, kind of implies that he's lying, that that he's holding back, and the senator tells, well, you know, you've got to have a name for an organization like this, and uh, Velacci says he 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 kind of stretches stretches himself to 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 give the organization a name, and he says, well, we we call it our thing, you know, he said this thing of ours, he said in in Italian. Cosa Nostra. So then a senator jumped up and says, okay, so the name of your organization is Cosa Nostra. The organization is uh, La Cosa Nostra. And kind of, I don't know, I don't remember quite accurately, but I think he kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, yeah, you know, he agreed. They put him on the spot and that was that. So the next day, the very next day, the media had a field day with this. You know, they couldn't use the old names, uh, mafia and stuff, because that wouldn't be as dramatic as saying, "Now we've unc- all the newspapers: the the New York Daily News, the the, the Mirror, the Post, the Journal of American, the the Herald Tribune, the 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 World Telegram and Sun." All headlines: the new name is discovered for organized crime, and it's La Cosa Nostra, which technically means the, our thing, which is ridiculous. Those names are kind of stuck throughout decades and decades and decades. And at one point, one of the senators asked Joe Valachi, well, when you introduce yourself to another member, how do you how do you indicate, like, where you come from? How do, how do you identify yourself? Uh, and, and how do you describe which family you come from? And, and that's how Joe Bonanno described his version of organized crime. Uh, families, you know, families, groups of people that group together. He called them families. And uh, so, Vellacci says, well, I would say uh, I'm with Vito Genovese. Okay. And now... The senator jumps up because they had all these big charts with all these five different names and, you know, leaders of each so-called family. And so the senator says, so the names of the family are the Genovese family, Gambino family, Profaci family, Lucchese family. Once that occurred, the media picked that up again all right, starts in the United States Senate. The media picks it up and confirms that for the world, that these are the names of the family, the families that have no names. There are no no names. There aren't any names. And uh, that lasts forever. Uh, Until in in 1969, around there, uh, a fellow by the name of Joseph Colombo, Joe Colombo, he had started uh, an organization called the Italian American, Civil Rights League. I was part of that. I participated in it. And indeed, the Italian American Civil Rights League was a very successful organization until, unfortunately, um, Mr. Colombo was blown away in Columbus Circle. I believe the year was 1970 or 1971. And after that, everything went back uh, to where it was. For a while, Mr. Colombo and the Italian American Civil Rights Organization had people in the media not using those words, mafia, cosa nostra, because it was detrimental to the Uh, Italian-American population as a whole. And they were making some progress with TV, with the newspapers. But once Mr. Colombo was gunned down, the government was joyous. They were joyous. They were in an incredible state of ecstasy. Ecstasy. Because now they are saying, oh, don't you see? They're all gangsters. This is what it's all about. It's about murder, bloodshed, you know, the whole thing. But anyhow... The media, I'm talking about names, that's the name of this show, you know, the name game, maybe we'll call it something else. But the media decided to change the name of what they had called the Profaci family to the Colombo family, because Joe Colombo was such a media favorite of theirs that they couldn't resist doing that. And indeed, they had the power to do that, because what I'm trying to tell you is that all these names, Profaci, Bonanno, Gambino, et cetera, et cetera, all these names, they, Joe Falacci said it, that there is no name. There, There is no name. Okay. But the names started in the United States Senate. It went out to the media. And the important thing is that when we say sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong when a RICO case is brought against Italian-Americans and the federal court system. Okay, in 1970, the right-hand man of Robert F. Kennedy, who had a vendetta, you know, his dad, Joe Kennedy, was alleged to have been partners back in the roaring 20s, with a bunch of gangsters. He was partners with people who ran the docks. He was partners with people who were in the bootlegging business. Joe Kennedy, senior, John F. Kennedy's father, Robert F. Kennedy's father. He was the ambassador to Great Britain, to England. He owned a piece of of every bottle of scotch that came into the country. It's, I think still to this day, and way back then, uh, it was illegal to bring that whiskey into the country, but they did it. And so Joe Kennedy had an unwanted partnership with a lot of Italian Americans who wanted to be in that business also. Why not? You know, America is a capitalist nation, and uh, the prohibition law certainly uh, gave a lot of people an opportunity to make a lot of money because people did not want to stop drinking, and who could blame them? Uh, Robert Kennedy for some reason had this obsession with the so-called mafia and he was intent on on, uh, on destroying it later on in 1966 the presidential Commission appointed by President Johnson declared that organized crime must be abolished abolished from the face of the earth at all costs very important words at all costs and that at all costs, means that the federal criminal justice system became prostituted when it, when it comes to organized crime cases. And in 1970, uh, due to the efforts of Professor Robert Blakely, the RICO law came into effect, racketeering influenced corrupt organizations. And uh, that law allows the government It used to be that you had to try someone before a jury one charge at a time. But the RICO law allows them to charge you with 20 different crimes or 100 different crimes over a period of years without no statute of limitations. If you have one crime within the last five years, you could go back forever, all right? So instead of trying people for one particular crime that was committed last year, the government, through the RICO law, Was enabled to try people for 10, 15, 20 crimes and to link those people with co defendants, some of whom they did not even know because of the RICO law. So, what am I getting at? To get back into the subject matter, the RICO law requires that there is an enterprise. And if an enterprise is established, that allows them to charge you. With numerous, numerous crimes that have nothing to do with each other, it allows them to make you a co-defendant of multiple people, some of whom you may not know, as long as they can establish that you're part of the same enterprise. So here is where all the name game comes into play. And here's why people are doing Life Without Parole, because of this name game. If they can establish that the enterprise is the Gambino family, the Bonanno family, the Profaci family, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that enables them to spend a good portion of the beginning of every trial, not not proving a crime has been committed, but proving that there is an organization, that there is an organization <laughs> that exists and that that is the enterprise. And once they establish that there is some organization, and they establish that you are part of that, even though that may not be a crime, and let me interrupt myself, let me interrupt myself, it is not a crime to be in the mafia, the Cosa Nostra, the Ku Klux Klan, it's not a crime to be a Nazi, it's not a crime to be a communist, it's not, it just isn't. And when you go to federal court, they're required to prove that you committed a crime. But in a Rico case, they spend the first part of the trial talking about how in 1907, the black hand, the black hand, they it came from Italy, the black hand, 1907, 1907, the black hand. And they talk about that, and then they talk about the Castellamare's War of 1930. And they talk about Salvatore Maranzano and Joe Masciera and how Maranzano beat the other guy. It's in every case. If you think I'm lying, don't. I just pick up an indictment. And they talk about how the five families, the five families were established in 1931. And there come the names, the very names that they plucked out of Joe Velocci, they almost put his hand behind his back and like, you know, almost broke his arm until he gave these these so-called groups a name, okay? And so now we have those names and those names are what the government talks about. So they'll talk about you're a member of the kabut family, all right? And then they'll talk about what that family is and they'll talk about the history of that family and they'll talk about who is the boss of that family, uh, and they'll talk about uh, uh, your membership and that family. And all of this is designed for one purpose. Before the government ever mentions one word, one word about what the crime is that you may be accused of, they've already spent days and days and days prejudicing the minds of the jurors by talking about all this mafia stuff. The mafia. The Cosa Nostra. La Cosa Nostra. The LCN. The outfit. The syndicate. When's the last time you heard that expression? The syndicate. Remember Elliot Ness and the Untouchables? That was the name game then. The syndicate. You belong to the syndicate. My point is that when you're charged in a RICO case. And when you are an Italian-American, before the jury ever hears any kind of evidence, any kind of accusation against you that could prove criminal activity, the jury has been brainwashed by all this mafia stuff. La cosa nostra, cosa nostra, on and on and on and on. And so which starts out, as a laughing matter, the name game, ends up into a serious, serious crippling disability for a defendant and a defense counsel who wants to defend themselves in a RICO case. And mostly every case against Italian-Americans are RICO cases. Now, when the government first passed the RICO Act, they were afraid they were afraid to use it for a good 10 years until a man named Rudy Giuliani had the guts to go forward and to start using the Rico law in the Southern District of New York. And everybody thought that this law would be overturned, that they would be stopped, that the prosecutors would be stopped from doing it because it's un-American, contrary to every other judicial process that had come before it. It allows all the things I spoke of a couple of minutes ago. And yet, Rudy Giuliani was successful in establishing the government's right to go forward with these mass trials, these RICO cases. And let me, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, any of you who've ever been on a jury, if a, if a defendant is accused of one crime, You might very well give that defendant the benefit of the doubt, the benefit of a reasonable doubt, and say, well, maybe the government made a mistake. But in a Rego case, it's not just about one crime. They accuse somebody of two, three, four, five, six different crimes. They put you together with so many co-defendants and so many different charges That it overwhelms the jury, especially after they've been brainwashed for days about all this mafia stuff. And so, this is the reason that, you know, a name by a rose by any other name is it still a rose? Or in this case, is it just what the government wants it to be? The name game enables the United States of America, the prosecutors, in federal cases, to just put people in jail and for endless amount of years. You know, every RICO case is like every charge. If it's a RICO case, could be twenty years added on. So if you got five RICO counts, it could be a hundred years. Uh, it's happened. It literally has happened that people have gotten one hundred years. We talked about the commission case uh, a few weeks ago, and when you think about it when this all started, when this RICO law started, you know, they said to the public and to the the, the lawyers and the professors, oh, don't worry about this. We're only going to use it against organized crime. As if that was okay. It's not okay. It's not okay to treat one group of people differently than another group of people. And when they said that the RICO law, would only be used against organized crime, they were lying. And the same happens today. They did the same with the Patriot Act and every other act. You you let, if you let the government get away with it. One time, they'll do it a hundred times. When you give them an inch, they take a yard or 10 yards. And so the RICO law wasn't only just used in organized crime cases. It was used to take down businessmen. And businesses became the RICO enterprise. Instead of the mozzarella family, it's uh, at and It could be anything. And there was a famous uh, accounting brokerage that was taken down with the RICO law, crushed. And all the people in it uh, were, were ruined. Their lives are ruined. The investors in the the country's largest accounting firm lost their money because of overzealous prosecutions. And so what I'm trying to say today, very simply, is that it's not all a joke. You know, the family, the Gambino family, the Profacci family, Colombo family. You know, it's not just stuff that's in the movies It it, it all was created in the chamber of the United States Senate by Robert Kennedy and his colleagues. And it went out into the media. They always work together, it seems. And then it found its way into the courtroom. And that's where the damage is done, in the courtroom. And so when I say to you, is that all of us as, as Americans should be aware of what's going on, of what's been going on for over four decades? My entire life as a lawyer, forty-five years, this RICO law has been in effect, and you know most of my federal cases are RICO cases. Uh, and let me tell you, it is so hard to overcome a law like that. And when you think about it, when you think about the, uh, the the advantages that the federal government has in the courtroom, you know, even before the RICO law, they used to win 96% of all the cases. That's because the federal justice system is created and enhanced to make sure that the government wins every case. So isn't enough enough? When is enough enough? The, the, the sad truth, ladies and gentlemen, is that when it comes to the government's efforts to obliterate organized crime, sometimes using that campaign to cover up their own lack of diligence in other areas, right? Let's face it, uh, 9-11 was a big lesson to all of us about how stupid the United States government is and, and how inattentive The Justice Department can be, and the FBI, and the CIA. You know, when they want to spend their time chasing after uh, all these families, instead of worrying about who's about to attack this country, it's time for us to wake up and to understand. You just can't let them get away with this. People have to be vocal. People have to have some compassion. Now I'm not saying that, that all of my clients are innocent people. I'm just saying that as a lawyer, I want one thing. I want I want my clients to be treated fairly. I want my clients who happen to be Italian Americans to be treated like anyone else. I don't want to be in a situation where my clients are not investigated. Because they've committed a crime, but they are now investigated because of who they are. So you don't match the crime to the criminal. You're just picking the people out and trying to match a crime to them. And that's wrong. And that's going on for over 40 years in my period of time as a lawyer, probably went on before that. And that's pretty much what this program is all about. Uh, it's not so much about history. It's not so much about educating the public, but it's just about looking at what's going on from the other side. Another point of view, a point of view that no one has really ever expressed before. And that's why I decided to do this podcast. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, in the coming weeks and months, it could be a little bit more lighthearted. Maybe tell a few stories that can make all of us laugh, but you know the stuff is serious. It's a serious, it's a serious issue, and uh, I hope that I've uh, communicated that to all of you. So, until next time, this is Matthew J. Mary, and this is a view from Mulberry Street.